Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is the Not The Top 20 betting show. We're looking ahead at the slate of EFL fixtures, a full slate as well this weekend. Uh, there's been midweek action in the championship. There's just a lot going on, isn't there? And we're trying our best to keep on top of things, to stay on top of things. George Ellick uh, on the line with me. Hello, George. Are you having a nice week? Hello, mate. Yeah, very, uh, very busy week, which is good. Doing a bit of writing, which always excites me. I, I think you're a wonderful writer and I don't think you do enough of it personally. <laughs> Thanks. I don't have time. Um, but yeah, doing a bit of writing this week. I was up, to, up in Glasgow for another work thing as well. Um, so yeah, all, uh, yeah, all busy. I feel like Stephen Gerrard's Glasgow Rangers are quite uh, who you were visiting for other work purposes. I feel like they're quite EFL heavy. Joe, and also, do you see, do you see, do you see Joe Rebo, friend of the pod? I didn't see Joe Rebo, but um, but when I arrived there, I found out that Brentford Bees were playing a friendly against ah. um, against the Rangers reserves, and I really wanted to go watch it for a bit because I had a bit of time after we'd finished our our filming. Um, until my flight, so I could have probably watched the first half or the, or the first half an hour, but it was really rainy, so I didn't. Four nil to Rangers, I think it was uh, a very, uh, a very experienced Rangers team, that's for sure. Um, let's get into some uh, some punting selection, some EFL punting action. Last week was was mixed, I would say. Um, uh, we had a couple of very nice winners. Uh, your Cheltenham pick at thirteen to five was. Absolute class. A Bristol City double chance at Fulham I was happy with and leads to nil as well as my nap, but we whiffed on a fair few as well. So we'll try and pick it up, take it on this weekend. Uh, I am already in debt to Mark O'Hare because I was talking to him this morning before we were recording. Uh, I was quite keen to back Exeter this week at Salford, possibly even nap levels of backing. Uh, and he reminded me that they went and played Hartlepool in midweek uh, and probably uh, that, that coach trip from uh, Exeter to Hartlepool and back again, and then another to Salford. Maybe not ideal. So that's uh, that's good to have got that out of the way. So they are not involved with me this week. Where are you going for your nap this weekend, George, <coughs> the EFL? Yeah, going to keep riding the, the Millwall gravy train um, because we saw them uh, in, the, in, the, in the Sky studio on Friday night drawing 2-1 against Nottingham Forest in a game where they should have been totally out of sight um, in the first half, they were by far the better team. And it was a bit of a travesty that it was a, a very, very late injury time goal that only got them a point because they deserved all three. And then they went to Bristol City in midweek and took a 2-0 lead, uh, conceded a goal late on, but still came away with that, winning the game 2-1. And uh, Jed Wallace, again, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to remember a player in such a rich vein of form where... Gary Rowett has come in. I mean, Jed Wallace has been um, probably Millwall's standout player for the last 18 months. But since Gary Rowett's come in, he's got a whole new lease of life. His end product may leave a bit to be desired, but his ability to pick up the ball and beat players and carry it forward and get into dangerous positions is incredibly strong. And they go to a derby team whose renaissance at home um, was something of a false dawn. Uh, they, they drew with Sheffield Wednesday um, in midweek, but Sheffield Wednesday, you know, should have put the game to bed early on uh, and failed to do so. And, and whilst Derby did threaten to win the game late on, um, I'm not taking much heart from that performance, uh, which came after a, a loss at Blackburn and, and another home draw uh, against QPR as well. I think that this Millwall team um, are better than the market suggests consistently at the moment. I think they're operating as one of the, the strongest teams in the championship. 
And I think that Derby's soft centre, let's call it, um, is pretty much a perfect stylistic matchup for, for Gary Rowett's team as well. Um, I expect them to, I can't really see where Derby going to cause Millwall too many problems. And I don't think they're going to enjoy the, the pace and, and trickery of Wallace on the right-hand side. So uh, the fact that this is priced up as kind of 11 to 8 Derby and bigger than 2 to 1 Millwall seems incorrect to me, even with the the home advantage that Derby certainly have. So at 11 to 5 with Betfred, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not convinced this Millwall run is going to last. You know, then I don't think they're going to be suddenly um, knocking on the door of automatic promotion. Uh, I don't think anyone is this championship because they're so far clear. But there's no signs, there's no reason or signs why the performance levels should drop massively. And if they put in a similar performance to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I, I think they'll go pretty close to winning. So at 11 to 5, I think that's massive value. Lions against Rams there. Absolutely no contest. Uh, Millwall, your nap this weekend. In the championship, I'm dropping down to League Two and it is crew to beat Mansfield uh, as we record on Thursday morning. I'm looking at 1.9 really best price. I wouldn't be surprised if that goes a little bit before the start. So I'll be snapping that up sooner rather than later. Uh, Let's start with the away side, Mansfield. The big reason why I'm going against them is that, look, it's it's not going well at all. It's very, very surprising the support, the extent of the support that the Mansfield board and owners are showing John Dempster. Uh, we've talked about it a fair amount on the pod, but just as a, a reminder for anyone not keeping notes at home, Mansfield very much considered to be one of the favourites to win League Two this season. Uh, we agreed with that uh, opinion I suppose we picked them to be right up there the, the concern was that they have a uh, rookie manager in charge or had a rookie manager in charge but such was their uh, such was their strength of squad their performance over the last few seasons where they'd been there or thereabouts uh, and we we very much bought into that even without knowing much about John Dempster now it's very easy to pin everything on him, but the facts are that uh, they are 18th in a very poor division, uh, well off the pace. They have not scored in their last three games, lost 3-0 at home to Cheltenham on the weekend. They lost to Swindon the week before 1-0 and drew 0-0 with Macclesfield prior to that uh, against top half teams, uh, very much the teams that were meant to be their rivals this year. They've played nine, they have not won, they've drawn three and they've, and they've lost six. Uh, the players that did come in in the summer uh, have been performing poorly. Uh, lots of chopping and changing of personnel and tactics for Dempster. None of it seemingly working. So, uh, look, there's, there is, I, I, I think, some merit in sticking with managers at times. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not surprised that Mansfield have stuck with stuck with John, Dem- John Dempster rather, and continue to do so. Um, I, I don't fancy them here against a crew side who they haven't played in the league since the 26th of November. Uh, FA Cup action, including a replay. They had to play this week against Eastleigh. They put them to the sword 3-1 at home. Fairly comfortable win that for crew. And look, they've been towards the top end of the division all season. Uh, their last home game in the league, they won 5-0 against 10-man Morecambe. I, I don't put that much importance on that. I actually probably put more, I give them more credit uh, for a nil or draw at Forest Green. And bizarrely for uh, the game against Northampton that I watched where they lost 4-1 because they started really well in that game. They played good stuff. They created a fair few chances. They were 
soft at the back for a few set pieces against a, a very physical and strong Northampton side. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't watch that game in which Crew lost four one and leave thinking, oh my god, they are they are sort of a, a false top team. Personally, I still think that they are. Um, and as we know historically, certainly last season, they were absolutely fantastic at home. They have. Uh, delighted their home fans on a few occasions this season. 5-0 winners against Morecambe, 4-1 against Salford. They beat Swindon 3-1 when they played them here. Um, They've won five of their 10 games and I think they're going to win this one. So it's pretty straightforward stuff, really. I think that there's um, plenty of evidence that this crew side are purring and very good at home and that this Mansfield side are almost incapable of, of taking points off any of the top teams in this division and seem to be sort of just wallowing somewhat and and meandering towards uh, a big decision for the board potentially at some point. So crew to beat Mansfield, 1.9 uh, is my nap on this betting show. What's next for you? Yeah, next up for me, um, it's kind of, I could probably give my spiel for Derby Millwall and just change the names and it would be basically exactly the same. Um, it's Nottingham Forest hosting Sheffield Wednesday and I'm backing Sheffield Wednesday, the away team, um, who are about two to one. Uh, best price Forrester about seven to five and I, I just think that we're starting to see now uh, that Forrest just aren't really all that um, we mentioned it a few times in the podcast that when they were they're still currently fifth in the championship but there was a time I guess a couple of weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago when people were putting them in the same bracket as, as West Brom and, and as Leeds and, and as Fulham for kind of automatic promotion chases um, and Sabri Lamushi was being widely lauded as some kind of tactical genius. But, but we said at the time that, you know, the wins looked fairly unsustainable given the, the fine margins involved. Just, you know, two matches won this season by more than a, a one-goal scoreline. And the variance that is associated with that has played out now. Um, you know, they've lost to Cardiff at home. They got a, a fortuitous point away at Millwall that was very nearly a fortuitous three points. And then they hosted a Middlesbrough team who I think we can say are having somewhat of a, of a renaissance as, as certain players come back from injury. Um, but, but even though it's, a, it's another game and another team you'd expect them to, to be doing away with. And, you know, they only mustered nine shots in that game against Borough. Um, it wasn't a, an unlucky um, you know, point. It wasn't an unlucky, unlucky two points lost. It was just a kind of fair reflection of the game. Um, and as such, you know, they were incredibly poor in that game we watched uh, live on, against Millwall on on uh, on Friday night. And, and I, guess I, lost a lo- I lost a lot of faith in Lamucci um, watching that game, the way he set them up. It just seemed completely like he didn't understand what he was doing and the opposition he was coming up against. And they're facing a team this season who I can say completely the opposite about. I've been incredibly impressed by Gary Monk so far at Sheffield Wednesday. They seem to be a team who completely not understand what they're doing. Uh, he's got Stephen Fletcher firing. I mentioned on the Monday pod how he's a manager who seems to get strikers going. Fletcher again scoring uh, against Derby in midweek. Um, in, in a game, as I said in the first game, in, in the first tip, again they should have won. They should have been out of sight before Derby equalised. A really impressive home win against Brentford as well. And again they were one 0 behind him. Um, I think the prices are the, are the wrong way around here. I think the Sheffield Wednesday are the better team. Um, I think you know the away, uh, the fact that Wednesday are away. I don't think it causes them too much of an issue. We've seen them put in some very good away performances recently, namely the Charlton game where they absolutely battered them. Uh, and I think that Forrest will have to step up their recent performances massively in order to live with Sheffield Wednesday. So, um, yeah, two to one, 
I think that Wednesday, I mean, I guess it's kind of, if you're thinking about horse racing terms, the two bets come under a similar form line, uh, looking at that Derby Sheffield Wednesday game, looking at that Forest Millwall game. Um, and even though both games ended as a draw, Millwall and, and Sheffield Wednesday, certainly the two teams to take out of it. And uh, and Derby and, and Forest, two teams that I'm happy to, uh, to, to to get against. I'm always happy when you're picking away sides around two to one. It's something that I don't always have the nerve to do myself. Um, but I've enjoyed both of the, uh, well, I've enjoyed both of your picks so far on this NTT Twenty betting show. Uh, my next pick is also an away team. Uh, it's Bristol Rovers at Ipswich. I haven't got the uh, haven't got the gonads to go fully in on them, all in on them, despite Bristol City, uh, their, their city rivals, um, doing the business for me last week at Fulham where I, I went double chance and I could have made a lot more money if I had just really backed it. Um, but same again here and I, I wouldn't say necessarily similar reasoning because I don't think there's a huge amount of comparison between Ipswich and Fulham, but certainly I think that that, that Rovers head to an Ipswich side who are pretty well fancied here um, and at just over even money with Marathon and evens elsewhere, uh, double chance for me with Bristol Rovers is because Ipswich, uh, another team who are having uh, not, a, not a fantastic run at the moment, three consecutive draws uh, in the league. And two of those were home games against Blackpool and Wickham. There was also an away game against Coventry. They've played Coventry in three of their last four games in all competitions because of an FA Cup tie, which went to a replay. So they, they drew one all in the Cup at Coventry, one all in the league at Coventry. And then this week, Coventry beat them uh, at Portman Road 2-1. And Ipswich, with you know the odd injury problem certainly James Norwood has not been as available to them as uh, as they would have hoped but actually to my eyes just not necessarily performing at a particularly high level um, we know that early on in the season they put together a great run of form uh, uh, specifically away wins uh, at once at one period um, they were generally tight games that they managed well managed to get ahead and managed to keep clean sheets but that it, it wasn't the most sustainable run at the time and they're struggling to, to to grab the wins in the league at the moment. Now, I think that when you look at their general record against the top teams as well, there's cause for concern. Uh, they haven't beaten anyone in the current top eight. That's in five games. They've drawn with four of them uh, and they lost at home to Rotherham. They haven't won a, a home game in the league since uh, the 28th of September. Uh, which uh, is only three, four games away, but it's been a while since they won at Portman Road. Uh, and they come up against a Bristol Rovers side who have snuck into fifth. Uh, we know that this league is very congested at the moment, from Peterborough in third down to Portsmouth in tenth. There's only four points. Uh, but Rovers are, are very much there on, men, on merit. They've actually got a game in hand over a lot of the teams around them. Their away form has been eye-catching this season. They've won four, lost four. So feast or famine. But I think they match up quite well against this Ipswich side because Ipswich, slightly under the radar, I think, for many people who follow this league, are actually a bit of a bit of a long ball team. Uh, if you look at who scored, they play the second most long balls per game. Uh, they are certainly they're a team that, that likes to knock it. And Bristol Rovers, I think, will be quite happy with that. They themselves are a team who understands that side of the game, understands that way of playing. Um, they've been going really well with five at the back recently uh, and with Clark Harris back from injury they have their main goal threat back in 
business as well. So uh, things are, are going nicely, I think it's fair to say, for Rovers at the moment. And I just fancy them to, to avoid defeat here. I'm taking double chance, which means I get the draw and the Bristol Rovers win. Um, and around even money, that's the way I'm going here. So Rovers double chance at Ipswich uh, is my second one. Where are you going next? Friday night's game, where we'll be back in the in the Sky Studios talking around it, if not about it. Um, and I'm backing Hull to um, to beat Charlton at eleven to ten. Uh, yeah, I'm. You know, I think the, the fact that we have a soft spot for Charlton is um, quite well known, uh, but it's getting pretty hard to have anything positive to say about them now. Um, Lyle Taylor, obviously coming back from injury, is a massive plus. But you feel like with the new investment that's hopefully around the corner. Um, with the new ownership, January kind of really can't come fast enough because it's impossible to see anything really except for a further slide until they can try and bring in some reinforcements. And it shouldn't be a surprise that Charlton's struggling. You know, the, the form at the beginning of the season um, was very unexpected and goes completely against the, you know, the, the wage budget they have at their disposal, the churn of players they had to put up with. Uh, they lost midweek to a sucker punch uh, from Huddersfield in the 93rd minute in a game that Huddersfield deserved to win. Uh, before that, they were the dominant team. Uh, Middlesbrough, again, the 1-0 win against Charlton. I mean, Middlesbrough's XG, I think, was 2.8 in that game. Charlton barely registered a shot. So those two 1-0 defeats don't really tell the full story in either game. Um, we could easily be sitting here with Charlton having lost both 2 or 3 or even 4-0. Um, and it's it's hard to find much to cheer about. Um, Hull's away form is, is, is very, very poor. There's no denying that. Um, you know, they put in a decent enough display against Leeds, but eventually kind of found too hot to handle, which will happen to a lot of teams. Um, but you just have to think that for Charlton, a team who are struggling to prevent oppositions from from creating chances, Jared Bowen is going to play a massive role in this game. And it's hard to imagine that he isn't going to, at some stage, um, show his quality by you know, whether it's scoring or, 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 you know, he's going to get himself into goal-scoring positions. They have the quality at their disposal, at disposal to really challenge Charlton. And it's hard to have any faith in Charlton scoring a goal. So with a heavy heart, I guess, um, tipping Hull at 11-10 to 10 to win this one um, seems like a, like a very, very fair price because uh, it looks like it might get worse for Charlton before it gets better. Jared Bowen available at uh, at nine to two in places to score first as well. Sounds like that might be something that interests you. Lyle Taylor uh, potentially back, probably not from the start. And I shouldn't say this because we haven't even discussed this, but of course we'll be doing our odds checker selections for all the Sky games this weekend and a three pm kickoff selection as well. Those are exclusive to the odds checker app which you can download using a link on our Twitter page if you want to use that app to get best price for all of your selections, but also if you want to check out some of our uh, exclusive fancies that don't make it onto the betting show. But that game will be previewed on Friday afternoon. There'll be a selection uh, that will not be the same as George's selection, but might well uh, be linked to a a Jared Bowen goal. We shall see, but uh, make sure you do download the OddsChecker app if you like getting best price for all your selections. Uh, My last one of these, my last next best selection is Coventry to beat Shrewsbury. Uh, As we record, available at 2.66, they are the away side. They performed 
fantastically against Ipswich on the weekend. Uh, sorry, in midweek in their um, cup replay. Coventry fans who have kind of seen a bit of everything from their team this season, uh, good and bad at times, feeling like that was the performance that said to them, certainly, uh, that, that, that they do belong at the top of this division. Not, I don't mean in first place, but I mean challenging for promotion. And that was, it's a good sign for Coventry and their fans. Um, they've obviously played Ipswich three times in the last few weeks, drawn with them twice and beaten them away from home. So you can understand why they would feel that. Uh, what we've seen since they played Fleetwood, a game that we were at uh, in Birmingham on an EFL midweeker, is a, a shift in styles uh, that allows them to play a few different ways. The start of the season was heavily uh, possession-based style, which was uh, easy on the eye when it was working, but it wasn't working all the time. I think teams were finding it, uh, as, as the season progressed, easier to defend against this Coventry side, easier to deny them good opportunities. But the return from injury of Max Biamu uh, has been a real game-changer for them because he does offer that physicality that can be so effective at this level. He's found his shooting boots as well, which is very welcome. He he has been in the past a, a, a target man sort of striker that doesn't score many goals, uh, but he's on really good form at the moment, causing defences a lot of problems. And I fancy him to do the same against a Shrews defence that is admittedly uh, very strong. That is absolutely uh, the strongest part of Shrewsbury's game because going forward, they are pretty dire. They are incredibly turgid. Um, they haven't, well, they've only scored more than one goal in a game uh, three times this season. Uh, they've had basically three big outliers uh, this year. They played Accrington in August and won 3 2 away. They had a 4 3 against Shrewsbury and a 4 3 against Bristol Rovers. But almost every other game they play is 0 0 or 1 0 or 1 1. And it's, I'm expecting this to go the same way. A fairly low goal expectancy, uh, certainly on the Shrewsbury side of things. Uh, and I just fancy Coventry with that extra quality that they have, uh, those midfield options that they have. I mean, when you look at the bench uh, in their last game, you see Shipley on the bench, Allen on the bench, who still hasn't really broken into this side because Kelly is back in the team. Callum O'Hare and Westbrook have held on to their places. They, they have got a bit of everything. Uh, and in recent weeks, uh, with a different way of playing, a 5-3-2, they look a little more solid at the back. So I'm not expecting this to be a goal fest, personally. Um, if I had to pick a score, I would be going for 1-0 or 2-0 Coventry. Uh, but I'm just going to go with them straight up. 2.66 uh, is the price that I'm getting. So Coventry, uh, Bristol Rovers double chance at Ipswich, uh, and Crew are my three, the first three selections. Uh, do you do do you know how many games Coventry have lost away from home this season? I th I was hoping that you were going to tell me. One. Wow. Do you know how many games Coventry have won? Uh, uh, sorry, away from home in the league this season. I I do know actually. It's uh it's none. Zero. Played eight. One zero. Drawn seven. Lost one. Bizarre. It's quite fun. Yeah, fun, that's uh, yeah, very very fun. But as Hardfire would say, hard to beat. Yeah, well, hopefully they're going to get their first away win this season. I feel like you slightly put the kibosh on my selection there, but uh, <laughs> not at all. Always good thing. No, always good to present all the information available. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Um, to just run me through your first three picks and then take me on to a bonus selection. So Millwall um, and Sheffield Wednesday and Hull, so three away um, championship teams. Nice. My bonus selection is Blackpool to win to nil at the Stadium of Light at five to one. Um, this is going to be fairly quick. Uh, Sunderland 
I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on, but it's um, it's miserable. They not only can't really score, they can't really shoot. Um, it's reminiscent of, of this time last year, except they're not really luckily winning games. Um, and seemingly there will be no more Aidan McGeady there to um, bail them out because it's being reported by the Chronicle this morning that he has been told he'll be leaving in January and that he'll be training with the reserves. How much this has to do with a photo that emerged of him and Chris Maguire sharing McDonald's a couple of days ago, uh, I'm not entirely sure. But it seems, given that this has been a bit of an issue for Sunderland for a while, and that McGeady has bailed them out on, on multiple occasions, the fact that they're struggling to, to create chances and score goals, to, to get rid of the player who, I mean, I know that he hasn't played well in the last few weeks, but there's no denying his, his talent and his ability at this level. Seems bizarre. So, I mean, that further strengthens the selection. Blackpool... Interesting, just quickly on, on the McGeady thing, as it is uh, breaking news of sorts this morning. There's quite a lot of Sunderland fans seem to be uh, actually going along the lines of if he's a bad egg, then we'd rather get him out, which you can kind of understand given Definitely. given what they've experienced with individual players over the last few years. But it is interesting because from from the outsider's perspective, uh, as you say, he, he does still have that extra bit of quality. But maybe under Phil Parkinson, that's that's not what they're after. Yeah. Um, I guess also the you know the the other narrative side to this game is is that it's Simon Grayson's return to the Stadium of Light, um, who you know fair to say that his his career move in moving there um, is one is one that he probably regrets, but he's having a, a decent enough time at Blackpool. Um, they've scored um, three goals in their in their last two games, one of which is in the cup, but they're a pretty free scoring team. Um, Arman Nanyule. Uh, the kind of striker I reckon that Sunderland fans will probably leave the game thinking they'd quite like to have an their side. Uh, and at five to one, just I mean, I think Blackpool are a massive price to win the game generally, but but given Sunderland's issue scoring goals, um, this is the little boost at fives. Very nice. I have waited and waited and waited to pick Jake Cooper to score first uh, as my centre back first goal scorer. The reason why I've been waiting specifically for Cooper is that. He is the the gold standard, really, for me. Um, He plays for a team who absolutely love set pieces uh, in Millwall, who who exploit any advantage that they can get from set pieces. He is, I think, just off the top of my head, the tallest player in the division. In the world. (laughs) The tallest outfield player, certainly in the division. Uh, Matt Smith, his teammate, must come close. But I can't think of any players taller than Cooper. It gives him a clear advantage in the air. Uh, He exploits that advantage very well because he just gets his head to so many set pieces. Uh, And we saw last season there was that rather fun quirk where there was a period where I think he was the joint top assist maker in the league. Because he kept knocking them down, he kept sending them back across uh, and Bradshaw or whoever it was would sort of stab them in and he'd get the assist. But... He has had so many attempts this season in the 20s. I can't remember the exact uh, number off the top of my head, Cooper. And until this midweek against Bristol City, he hadn't actually scored. Um, but because the bookies have been very aware of his threat, they sort of preempted things because of his goals last season. And he's always really short for a centre-back. Like, I, I don't really want to... That's ironic, isn't it? Yeah, very good. You're on absolute fire today, mate. Um, he, uh, he, per, my personal, my personal um, threshold, I suppose, for backing a centre back to score first is 
is I, I don't really want to be going much lower than sort of 22s or 25s. There's a few guys across the three leagues who nowadays just get just get the that they'll be in the teens. Aiden Flint, for example, and for most of this season, Jake Cooper, you're sort of 18, 16 to one, uh, and I'm not that keen on that. But he's drifted, um, I guess, because he hasn't scored too many. Although he did notch in midweek, uh, you can actually get 33 to one for him to score first with Betway this uh, with with Betway. Uh, this weekend and there's a fair amount of 25s around as well so just basically making the most of his drift uh, because as a threat he is as big as ever Uh, as a man he is as big as he's ever been Um, Millwall's XG ratio uh, for set plays specifically uh, is the best according to the Fox punter data that we use so that really backs up the fact that they, they they make the most of all set plays um, and you spoke about this game earlier. They're going away to Derby, who, you know, they'll have Bielik in midfield that, that provides a nice bit of height and their centre-backs as well, um, one of which has been Forsyth recently. Uh, and I feel like with Millwall playing another three-at-the-back system, this will A, be probably not the most entertaining game because I don't like it when two teams playing three-at-the-back go head-to-head. But every opportunity Mill will get, and correctly so, they will put pressure on Derby by putting the ball into the box. Cooper, for me, the main target, the tallest man on the pitch, the most likely to score from a set piece, and I'm really enjoying the price. So Jake Cooper, I've been waiting all season for this, uh, is my selection first goal scorer this week. I definitely had um, Leeds' Cooper at one point as well, Liam. Uh, so now we're, 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 going, <laughs> we're going for Jake. Uh, there we go, uh, Georgia. And any other business, anything you'd like to add? Uh, obviously, we would, we would expect people to be keeping an eye out for those odds checker picks this weekend yeah that's about it really i guess just keep an eye out on our, on our twitter feed for the for the odds checker picks and as ever keep an eye out on uh, on friday night football on sky sports uh, as we'll be doing a little bit before the game and then we have our own nice little part at about 10 15 uh, where we talk through some of the weekend's action and some of the big stories coming out of the efl 10 15 on your sofa on friday night sky sports football Uh, Not the top 20 with our own little segment. As George says, they're very excited about that as always. Thank you guys for listening this week. Really good response to the Monday podcast. That was a very enjoyable one for us uh, after an entertaining weekend of EFL football. We'll be back again on Monday uh, with a similar rundown of what we hope to be another exciting slate of fixtures. Uh, As for now, I hope that you have an excellent weekend, everyone. Best of luck with any selections. Please feel free to tweet us at NTT20pod or send us a message on Instagram with the same handle. Uh, if there's anything we've said that you that you want to you know take up with us or any selections that you have that you fancy this weekend that you'd like to share, uh, we're all ears. So thanks for listening and we'll speak again early next week. <laughs>